Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Geico Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. This week sponsors your local Geico of Mobile. Hey y'all, did y'all know Geico offered water service? That's right, it'll cover breakdowns, gas problems, all kind of stuff like that that we may run into on the water. Hey, and you can even bundle it with your existing boat insurance to save more. Call Ron Davis of Geico Mobile and get you a quote, 251-445-0053. That's Ron Davis at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. Hey, guess what, guys? We got something really special going on this week. It's 4th of July, and for a 4th of July special, we are putting together a podcast with some of our highlights, with some of the pros that we've interviewed, some of the guests that we've had on that's been real interesting. Man, I know I'm looking forward to hearing this show, and, and I hope you will as well. So stay tuned for this week's 4th of July special, Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. All right, guys, we have a very, very special guest on today for our first segment, and uh, man, we are really excited about him. I think all you're going to know who he is, native to Alabama, two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Gerald Swindle. What's up, buddy? Boys, what y'all doing today? Y'all, y'all just chilling? We're doing what we got to do. Gerald, when we met, I was young and aspirations to be a fisherman. And I was traveling around as a co-angler on the Elite Series back when they allowed the Elite Series to have co-anglers. I was sleeping in my car, and every day I would get up to go to the boat ramp and just ask if I could go fishing with that person for the day. And 95% of people said no, no after no after no. And for whatever reason, the day I met Gerald, after about five no's from the people in front of Gerald at the boat ramp, he said yes that day. And it was awesome for me because we've we've since become friends, but it was just, I wanted to learn fishing, right? I I wanted to learn and be absorbed and get everything I could. I was going to the extreme to learn every little technique, every little bit I could because I wanted to fish and I wanted to fish well. And Gerald let me get in the boat that day and, and I'll never forget. He's like, man, you got three questions. If you ask me more than three questions, I'm throwing you on the bank. And so about four hours later, I hadn't said a word. I was just fishing, probably because I was scared to death, but I was just fishing. And at some point, we began to discuss that. And, and, I, and I remember I, I made the comments like, Gerald, I didn't want your autograph. I had gotten it several years before at some event. I didn't want your autographs. I wanted time on the water. I wanted, I wanted knowledge. And so that's why I love what we're doing, Brian. And, I, and that's why I agreed to do this show is because I just want to help people give them as much knowledge in every angle as possible. For me, it was extreme, sleeping in my car, walking from boat to boat at a, at a ramp just to try to get in a guy's boat who I knew had a lot of knowledge to give and ultimately was able to, to gain a new friend that day. And me and, and Gerald and even his wife, Lulu, have spent quite a bit of time together tinkering with different stuff but there's always something to learn but it was uh it was a it was an intimidating time 
uh, <laughs> with Gerald that time, but we, we eventually it hit was, it off. I was not in my best behavior. My wife still scolds me for that. She says, you better not have been rude. And I said, honey, I, I promise I, I wasn't trying to be rude. You know, I said, you got to understand. I said, people are there. They want to go and you don't know who to trust and you get thrown guy in the boat. They talk. I said, but I just, when I told him he could go, I said, I know I probably wasn't the nicest guy. But I said, this, I knew he really wanted to go. And I said, I didn't know how to handle it. I just didn't. So I said, I just gave him three questions. And I said, it didn't take me long to realize he wasn't there for that. He, he didn't want to know how I got sponsors. He won't know how I catch fish. Mm. And I said, so that's why we laugh about that. Now I still tell that story to seminar. Sometimes I said, you never know who's going to be in the back of your boat to start out that way. Who's going to be end up being one of your top friends, a guy that you can lean on. And I said, so that's kind of where fishing can bring you. But the position you were in is what I respect a lot about young people who want to try it because you were in a very intimidating position. You was walking up to some of the top names in the business. You were sleeping in your truck. You didn't have a lot of finances to chase it around. So I looked at that. And I'm thinking anybody who's willing to try this, you got to give them the respect factor to try to say, learn it. That's one of them deals where both sides are learning something. And I think after years, if you've been around it, you probably see why some of the guys say, no, I don't want nobody in the boat with me because they get distracted easy or they get, they just meet the wrong person or something. But for you and I, kind of funny. We've hunted together and run out, hung out together and fished together. And I'm 100% confident that Steve-O's passion for fishing would have took him where he needed to. But I admired a lot more of the decision you made because you like, I got kids, I got a wife. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to do this. You made a decision that most most men struggle with more than they probably should. <laughs> well, because you kind of, I watched you put that forward and say, I love fishing and I still want to fish, but I got to take care of the kids first. That's right. That's you know, right. That's and a big, that's a big step, man. I mean, you don't, I see guys that turn their back on that and I'm thinking, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I don't know. I, I know in my career, had I been in Steve's situation, I wouldn't be where I am today fishing-wise because I would. I didn't have children early on. I was totally committed to what I wanted to do. Once you have children and a wife, I tell people when they want to come in and they say, what I got to do to be a pro, I said, you got to figure out how you take care of your family first because when you jeopardize them and you leave and you chase this dream and you put your family on the back burner, it's going to burn you because there's going to be days and that's all you got left. So yeah. I said, you got to figure out how to balance that, whether you financially can do it. That's a tough run. I mean, it's just like any other sport, football, baseball, basketball. You got to make that sacrifice, but you got to make sure you're in a position that that sacrifice doesn't come at the expense of 10 or 15 other people. And that's, that's beautiful advice. And, you know, it's like that. Just when you go in, when you decide to go into business for yourself, you're on, it, you're, it's tough. It's hard, and you do have to, whether it's a, a fishing career or whether it's another career that you start when you're starting your own business, you got to take all those things into consideration. And, and I've been on, on, on both ends of that uh, where I've been in the corporate world working for companies, and then I've started my own business. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I got, you've met my wife. i got a great wife. You, both of y'all know my wife. There's a lot of things that these women will overlook. But not bringing home a paycheck ain't one of them, brother. You no, not family. not long. Not long. You know, not long. And that's the struggle. That's the struggle Steve and I had talked about and had many conversations about is the younger guys getting into the sport. It's a tough battle, man. This is as tough as any other thing because financially you have to have it all together. You have to have a lot of things fall into place. And then you have to be married to the most amazing woman in the world who's willing to risk some of that with you. In other words, she's holding your hand going, if you're willing to take the chance, I'll do it with you. And that's one of the keys. I tell the young guys, when you come out here, I said, you have to wear this, your fiance or your wife. You got to make sure she's ready to get in the trenches with you. And you got to make sure you've told her 
and made her understand what we're going through. This could be some tough times. And I'm not being judgment. I see guys that don't even include their wife, and then they get out here and things go bad. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell the linebacker what they were supposed to be doing. You just wanted them to stand over there. You know, you're not a team. Mm. But when your wife can experience it, she shares the vision with you. That's part of what it is to make any business. Like you said, it doesn't matter what you do. If you can be building houses, but if, if you're not on the same page, most of the time you're not going to be successful. Well, and I've watched you and Lulu together a lot and uh, over the last couple of years. And there's one thing that's very obvious to me when I see you guys is y'all are partners in this. It's not you and then her. It seems to me that way anyway, just outside looking in, she's your partner in this business. And, you know, and, and I know we are going, and, you know, that's one thing I love about getting people like you on here is, is it doesn't always go the direction that you thought it was going to go when you, when you got on the podcast. But, you know, one thing that I wanted to get you to talk about just a little, and then we're going to talk about fishing, but is young guys that are trying to get on. It's a lot different than it was when when you came onto the scene be, as far as you didn't have high school fishing teams and college fishing teams do you see that as something that obviously we wish we'd have had that in high school right i'd have probably never played baseball i'd have been on a fishing team but is that making that journey easier or is it actually making it maybe hard more more people out there trying, you know, going to college and then going, okay, I want to go to that next level. I want to be a pro angler. How has it affected the industry, you think, in, in, in the positive ways and, 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 uh, and guys trying to make it on the street? This, this is going to be a, this may not be a popular opinion answer. It's just what I see. I think in a lot of ways it's helped us, but I think in a lot of ways it has hurt us. The reason why is, I see this happening over and over again. And I just had a, an hour Scott call this morning with two big sponsors. And it's one of their main complaints. It's high school kids fishing in their organization. And all of a sudden they think they need to be sponsored or they deserve to get free stuff. So by the time they're in college, they feel entitled to why can't I get a free boat? I don't understand why Gary Klaus at Phoenix can't give me a boat. And you want to say, son, because you haven't done nothing. And that's going to come hard at some parents. But like, Steve would tell you, to be an outside linebacker, you got to be, you're, you're a three or four or five-star recruit. And that's what I talked to a young man about at ICAST last year. He said, how do I get sponsors? I said, do you know what a five-star athlete is? He said, yes, sir. Could you be my five-star athlete in fishing. Quit going out there for likes on Instagram. Don't try to be a YouTube sensation. Take your rod and reel, catch a bass. Learn from it, move to the next one, catch a bass. I said, because if you're a five-star, these sponsors know who you are before you are. I said, but I always worried about the kids. You guys both playing sports. I played, didn't play the college level, but I always worried about the kids. You know, I, I had one kid that showed up with me and would break in the gym with me to shoot basketball. Always was able to say, hey, I'll crawl through the window today. That's the guy I always kept my eye on. He was on my team because he was willing to do exactly what I was, if not more. So I try to tell kids, focus more on your fishing, less on how many things you got on your jersey. I said, at a high school killer kid's age, I don't think it's important for you to have sponsors. I'd like to see you be dressed in unity with your team, but I don't think you need 25 logos because there is a, this thing we're seeing kind of come along where it's almost entitlement. You don't just get a scholarship to play linebacker at Sanford just because you played high school football. You got that because you was excellent at playing high school football. So I think we've took the focus off fishing mm -hmm. and more on promotions. I think at that age, I'd rather see a kid fishing. 
I told my nephew one day, he, he posted on Instagram and he was holding four fish up at one time. And I couldn't mash that phone hard enough to call him. And I way overreacted and I chewed him out. And I said, don't you ever do that again. I said, because it makes people look like you've never caught them. And I said, it makes you look irresponsible because you hauled them around for a sunset picture where there's no money on the line. I said, when there's money on the line, you're vested. So you check your live wells. You down there looking at that phoenix switch. You know exactly when that when it's running because it's going to cost you money if he dies. I said, when you're just putting them in the live well to take pictures for, you're not doing it for the true love of the game. I said, the love of the game is you catch one, take a picture of it, put it back. That's it. I told Trey, I said, work at this, son. Work at it. I said, they don't give out gold medals on Instagram. I said, I'd rather see you in a white T-shirt and flip-flops out there catching biggins as I would see you have 200,000 followers on Instagram. I said, because when you get put in your game day situation, guess what? You're going to get your 200,000 followers because you just to smoke them. Mm -hmm. So I, th I do think that's a trick question. I think it's opened up doors, and I think it's got a lot more people involved in fishing. I just think it needs to be regulated a little bit through high school of what those kids are allowed to receive. I'm also seeing a lot of this. Well, my dad's going to call his buddy at Chickamauga and get some waypoints for us to go fish this high school tournament. Well, my nephew fished high school, y'all. I never give that kid a waypoint. Wasn't going to do it. Yeah. And he got plumb hurt at it. I said, son, because I'm not helping you. It may help you win that tournament, but in the long run, it's going to make you a worse fisherman. Yeah. Because you're alive. I said, so I do think. To yourself. Right. We, I think there's some shortcuts being taken. The thing I liked about, you know, like to be a linebacker, be a baseball player at Auburn, there ain't really no shortcut. You were the five star. You proved your game. So I wish in high school we taught more of that. We taught more of a little bit more controlled atmosphere and saying, hey, guys, I want you guys to learn to fish, work through this. I think by by kind of coping that in and saying, hey, it's not such about we need to get 20 free rods. When I picked Steve up at the ramp, he didn't have 20 rods, and he was trying to make money at it. He had a handful of rods, and if I'm not mistaken, not many of them matched. <laughs> See, that's the difference. He went, he went in it with, I don't need 20 free rods to go fish. I'll take what I got, and I'll make the best of it, and it'll make me better. So I think that's a little old-school round of mine that I wish more high school kids did work through that tough times, you know, and then developed into that player, the, the gamers you want to see them in. I think mm. college helps us. I think the exposure-wise helps us. But I think to dilute it down to who's going to be the next great one, it's tough. So I tell my nephew, just as I would tell any other kid, you fish in high school when nobody's looking. You run them wind sprints when nobody's counting. You go in there and you deadlift in the gym when nobody's counting. You do the things in fishing. You go fishing when it sucks. I need to see you fishing when they ain't biting. I need you to call me, Trey, and say, gee, I went down and only caught two, but I learned a lot. I said, you do all the stuff that's not any fun, then you're ready for the next step. I said, you got to be in love with the elements of the game. you got to be willing to do this or we're not going to advance because what's going to happen is when we put those guys in a breaking position, they're going to break because they haven't been backed against the wall enough to start that. When Steve's sleeping in his truck, he's backed against the wall. There is no backup plan. You fish with everything you got. There's something to that that brings out the best competitor in every human. I've argued that that the same mentality with MLF the year I fished there. They said, this no entry fee is great. I said, is it or is it not? I think when you have no skin in the game, you quit fighting. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. You, you, you quit fighting. If, if, if they told you, Steve, when you played linebacker, or they, they told you, hey, no matter how many errors you make in the infield, guys, you're not coming out. You think you would have played the same? Yeah. No. 
So I yeah. said, I don't know that just giving somebody a free ride is the way to do it. I think by entry phase, you keep skin in the game. It brings the best out in you. It makes you react in those breakdown situations, which I, that's a little deep for fishing, you know, <laughs> but Steve would tell you my mind's kind yeah. of crazy sometimes, but it's that learning how to deal with not catching them, struggling, making do with what you got. Yeah. I think that's what sets us. But I do think yeah. high school fishing has a great part for this industry. I think I just wish we could wind it back up a little bit, just kind of yeah. clean it up. Well, it may be deep, but it's definitely a fit because if you think about it, you know, and I hope that there's high school kids and college kids everywhere Googling to, to, to get a fishing report and they listen to our show and they hear that um, because anybody pursuing tournament fishing needs to hear that. So, Gerald, man, with that, we're going to check out. I thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for your friendship, and we look forward to talking to you soon, brother. No problem, man. You guys take care. Look forward to doing it again. Talk See to you ya. soon. Man, that was a great segment, but we not be outdone. We got another great guy on here for segment two right now. Logan Parks is joining us from, and this is, this is so fun for me to say, from the Auburn Tigers fishing team he is the captain of the auburn tigers fishing team welcome to the show logan yes sir war eagle i appreciate you guys having me on war eagle i, I got i met logan where'd we meet we met down at icast a couple years ago right yes sir two years ago logan one of the things that we'd love to hear man is you know with with you know the the quarantine and and you know the coronavirus I, Things got messed up for, for a lot of the sports through the schools and, you know, whether it was baseball getting canceled and and how did it affect you guys? Where, when are you going to kick back off? Uh, are you going to get another year of eligibility? Kind of walk through where we're at with the NCAA and, and, and Auburn right now in, in, in the fishing. Okay. Well, as far as NCAA, like we're we're technically a club sport at Auburn, so we don't have to worry about any of those regulations. Um, they are talking about letting seniors that have graduated sign a waiver to be able to come back and finish out their season. Looks like everything's pretty much been rescheduled on into the fall, but I think things are finally about to start picking back up, hopefully. We've got our uh, Collegiate Bass National Championship scheduled for June 10th and 11th on Lake Pickwick in North Alabama, and the first day of practice is uh, June 6th. So hopefully that's uh, going to go on and we can finally get back to fishing, man. I miss it. How did you end up on the Auburn fishing team? Did you participate at the high school level? Yes, sir, I did. I've always loved fishing growing up. I love playing baseball and I love fishing. I think it was about eighth grade. I actually didn't make the baseball team at Auburn High School, and I was pretty bummed about that and uh, started looking into, you know, what else I could do. heard there was – fishing like in high school going on competitively so we looked into it and uh me and a good buddy of mine lucas Lindsay, and a couple of other of our friends that we would pond fish with back in the day we got together with the principal and uh we found a coach for our team and we actually founded the auburn high school bass fishing team so i fished in high school from eighth through twelfth grade so i kind of had an idea of tournament fishing when i got to auburn university mm-hmm. Man, that's good. Hats off to you for taking that on and taking the lead on that, man. That's uh, that's that's well done. I, I know that there's a lot of difference in uh, how you get found and how you get to an Auburn fishing team. So 
if there's younger guys out here that are listening to us, I mean, you know, when you're playing baseball or football, you've got recruiters that go around, your your, your coach sends film, and, you know, and, and you get looked at and seen and send your stats, and, and that's kind of how you get noticed by the these colleges and eventually get recruited and, and signed. How's that process now at Auburn. I mean, if a kid in Alabama is listening to this show, he's on the high school team, and he wants to go to that next step, what's that process to get there? To get to the college level, my best piece of advice definitely would be, you know, your junior, senior year of high school, when you're able to drive 16, 17, 18 years old, I would definitely recommend taking the boat and your fishing partner or whatever and going and trying to figure it out on your own without a boat captain because I think that's a big transition for a lot of high school kids. They're uh, used to having an older guy in the boat with them, kind of helping them out with making decisions, and you kind of just get dressed into the college world, and you're all on your own. So I think that's a big transition. But as far as getting, I guess, noticed, Auburn doesn't offer any scholarships right now, unfortunately, for fishing, but there's a lot of schools that do. There's actually a, a website that we've we've been in touch with the, the owner of. It's called TopTierFishing.com, um, and you can go on there, and it's kind of like, uh, I guess, like where you would upload your football highlights or whatever. It's similar to that where you would go in and make an account and put all your stats on that website, and that's a good way to get noticed by, I mean, there's probably 40 colleges on there for uh, fishing teams. So uh, I definitely recommend going on there and making an account and they can use our code Auburn A-U-B-U-R-N to sign up and get your first month free. That's definitely probably the best way to get noticed by colleges right now. But like I said, Auburn doesn't offer scholarships, but what we do offer is the, uh, the possibility to get everything paid for, which I think a lot of these schools can't necessarily afford, even though they may give you a scholarship to come there. What we do offer is we pay for your hotels and uh, your room and board for, basically every college event we fish. And then if you go to that event and you come in the top three, like if you're the top three Auburn boats at that tournament, we will pay for your gas in your truck and your boat and your oil and your entry fees. So uh, we try to make it as affordable as possible for you guys. Logan, how, how competitive is the, is the collegiate bass fishing scene? I mean, how, how good are you guys? They're, they're, it's pretty, pretty darn good angling, huh? Yes, sir. It's it's definitely uh, about as tough as it gets. I would say that having two people in the boat is honestly makes it so much tougher. Like, I mean, I think we go to the, the same places that the pros go and our weights are, are just as heavy, if not heavier, just because, I mean, you've got two lines in the water at once and everybody there is, is serious about it. I mean, the difference between going from the high school level of competition to college is astronomical. These guys are good and they're, they're serious about it. I mean, we all want to get to the next level, you know, where you said Stetson Blaylock, you just talked to him. We all want to be in those shoes, you know, competing against those guys. The competition is very stout. And Auburn's had some good success. I mean, you guys have had some pretty good finishes. Yes, sir. We have, we've got a really good team. I would say definitely the number one D one school team in the country you see a lot of these teams that have really good teams you know they're scholarship based but they're like really small schools and out of like the big name schools I would say Auburn's at the top right now we're sitting in fourth in school of the year point 
And unfortunately, due to the virus, all of our events leading up to the national championship have been rescheduled for the fall. And so, like, basically you earn points at each event and try and climb up to that number one spot. And uh, the national championship is the, like, caps it off. And that's when they award the number one school of the year. So, unfortunately, it looks like this season we're not going to be able to have enough events left. I mean, we only have the national championship to uh, to achieve that number one spot. But I'm looking forward to next season. I think we got some really good guys coming in, and uh, we really want to try and earn that number one school of the year spot. That would be a huge honor. How many events do you guys fish in a in a season in a normal season? Obviously, like you said, this year was uh, got messed up by the virus. But when when is the fishing season? When are the, the events and and how many events do you guys typically fish in a year? So we have our fall qualifiers, which we host just amongst the team. Like I said, the gas reimbursement is based off of your tournament performance. So the fall qualifiers are really just to uh, figure out who gets our, like, sponsorship product. You know, we get rods from some of our sponsors. Like, we get a rod from Dobbins for our top 12 teams. We get rain suits from Frog Togs. So it's basically just seeing who's the best of the best on the team so we have four of those in the fall and then we typically have a couple other fall events it just depends on who's hosting events in the fall but the main season is in the spring and then we fish three different trails and then sometimes a fourth so we fish the bass nation events and there's four college events and a national championship and then we fish the flw events and we have we're in the southeastern region so we fished three Southeastern events and a national championship. But FLW actually opened it up this season to where you could go fish any division. So you could fish those three events in our division, or you could fish, you know, I think there's 12 total. So you could fish all 12 of them. And then there's the Collegiate Bass Trail, and they typically have three or four events in a season and a national championship. So, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, you can fish as little or as much as you want if you come to Auburn, but you're looking at fishing. I mean, you don't have to fish any, but typically about 12 events a year, in the spring at least. Logan, how uh, – and I imagine some of our listeners would, would like this information too. How would one go about finding out more information about Auburn fishing, uh, both in terms of just keeping up with what you guys are doing and also, you know, younger guys that might be interested in, in, in pursuing – fishing uh, uh collegiately is there a website what's the best way to to keep up with you guys probably the best way to keep up with us is following us on social media we have one of the biggest social medias i would say out of any of the college teams so you can give us a follow on instagram at auburn university bass team or you can look us up on facebook at auburn university bass team and if they have any questions they can just send us a message and we'll respond we have a I think a pretty pretty much 100% response rate on Facebook. For young guys looking at coming to Auburn, that's one thing that I really like about our program is that because it's not scholarship, I mean, you don't technically have to make the team like you would at other schools. So anyone is able to join and sign up. And as long as you pay your dues and do your community service and, and do, I think we have two fundraisers that you're required to help help work and you'll get your jersey and all that. And then you're welcome to go to as little tournaments or as many tournaments as you want. We want you to travel and compete and fish as much as possible. And everyone has a fair chance of getting their gas reimbursed. It really just comes down to who's the best fisherman on the team. And then, like I said, we pay our top three teams at each tournament. If we go up to 12 boats at a tournament, we'll pay 
another boat. And then for every three, I guess for every three boats, after we have nine go to a tournament, we pay an extra spot. So I think at Smith Lake this past February, we had 16 boats. So we paid our top five teams at that event. Man, that's encouraging, Logan, and, you know, exciting that you can be a guy in the high school level right now. If you want to go to Auburn, you don't have to, you know, send out tapes and get recruited. You can basically just show up and say, hey, I, I'm here. I want to fish. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty darn good at it, and uh, I want a shot at making the Auburn team, That's uh, and which is, like you said, one of the top, if not the top, D1 school for fishing teams in the, in the country right now. So, Man, that's very encouraging for younger guys, and man, we'll we'll definitely be following you on on Instagram and Facebook and and keeping up with you guys. I got one question before I let you go, and I want to see how smart you are, Logan. Yes, sir. Plus, I want the advice for next time I'm fishing. So I'm fishing a pond that Norman manages. Actually, kind of his uh, he's 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 kind enough to to not run me out of there all the time. But two days ago. Fishing eight, ten foot of water, twelve foot of water, standing structure, a uh, lot of lot of timber, uh, and we were fishing brush hogs and lizards, and it seemed like a lot of the time. I mean, a lot of the time, the the fish were hitting it on the fall. I mean, you were throwing yes, it out there, and as it was falling, you were getting a hit. If you're in a condition where you're seeing that. What do you do? Do you stick with a worm and just keep catching them on the fall, or is there something that you want to change to to try to keep that bait in that? Obviously, I'm figuring those fish must be suspended. What are you going to do in that situation? Stick to it or go to something else? In that situation, you know, I definitely if they're hitting it on the fall like that, those fish are probably up in the water column, and they're wanting to feed. They're pretty active. So I would definitely switch up and throw a moving bait in that situation, depending on the conditions. You know, if it's cloudy and windy or uh, if it's sunny, I would probably throw, you know, the windier it is, I would throw a spinner bait if it's really windy. But one of my go-to baits is a chatter bait, and it just depends on how much timber it is, you know, if you can get away with it or not. A chatter bait, you can typically stay right in that, strike zone i know uh, i guess you're fishing 12 foot of water hitting it on the fall so you could probably run that thing through there about five or six feet deep and uh i think you could i mean you can cover a lot more water that way and uh definitely put it in front of a lot more fish man i like it well don't don't tell norman that strategy that way maybe i can beat him when we go out there fishing guys the tip of the day today is brought to you by great days outdoors Great Days Outdoors magazine guides you on hunting and fishing south of the Mason-Dixon. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Give me a call at 601-383-2344. Hey, Logan, man, thank you for jumping on. Uh, we love to call, and we look forward to having you back on again. We hope you'll come back and join us. Man, good luck to you personally. Good luck to the Auburn fishing team. Thank you, absolutely. We're uh, looking forward to getting back after it at this national championship. We've had some success up there um, in the past, um, so I think it should be a good event for us, and maybe we can climb up. If, if we can't come in first in school of the year, maybe we could at least come in second or third. That'd be that'd be good. So hopefully we can get after them. And I appreciate you guys having having us on. 
Hey, great to meet you, Logan. I'll be looking for you on TV in the coming years, man. I hope so. Yes, sir. It was nice to meet you too. And uh, if if any young guys are listening um, and you're interested about uh, coming to Auburn fishing for Auburn, just follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and uh, send us a message, and we'll get to, we'll get back to you. All right, Logan. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Yes, sir. Thank you. War Eagle. War Eagle. We're going to jump right to this thing, Norman. On our first segment today, we are, are very excited and honored to have Stetson Blaylock on here. Stetson, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. I'm glad to be here. Glad that y'all having me on. It's, uh, it's that time of year, you know. We've, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm ready to get back after this tournament season. And, uh, you know, the Classic was a, seems like a distant memory now back in March, so it's time to get back on the trail. Well, man, you brought the classic up. Let's stay right there for a minute. Congratulations, brother, man! Uh, what, number three finisher there. That's uh, that that ain't nothing to sneeze at, there, man. Congrats on that. That's a big deal. I appreciate it. Yeah, that you know, I think uh, for me, being my first classic, uh, being the fiftieth Bassmaster Classic, I think that says enough right there. Just fishing for as long as I have, having the confidence that I could make that tournament and actually compete in that tournament has always been there, but actually getting on that stage, being there that week and enjoying everything that, that was, you know, that Birmingham and Lake Gunnersville had to offer. It was pretty special just to, uh, just to be able to represent myself and my family and sponsors and just everybody that's involved with my team to be able to have a top five finish in my first class was pretty special no doubt that is phenomenal no doubt about that well let me ask you man because i know you know as a as a baseball player i always kind of you know, through college and, and, and even before that in high school, when you're coming up, you're always kind of, you got it envisioned of, you know, I always had it envisioned in my mind of, okay, when I got to Auburn, man, what's it going to be like to play at, uh, at Mississippi State or at LSU at Tiger Stadium or at Auburn's Complex? Or, and then you get there and, and, and it's really awesome, but sometimes it's different. So my question is, will this be in your first one, the 50th anniversary, I mean, was it what you thought it was going to be? It was exactly what you said. Ever since I was, gosh, I guess seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I have not necessarily dreamed of being on that stage, but just wanted to experience the Bassmaster Classic and wanted to experience that stage presence and, and understand and respect what that stage means to every angler that's crossed it and for me to finally get to do it at a place like Lake Gunnersville and in the 50th classic it was it was one of those moments that it was one of those weeks not necessarily moments but weeks that I'll never be able no matter how many classics I qualify I'll never be able to relive what happened that week and it was so fun to be on a lake not only did I fish my first classic, did I succeed and have a great tournament in my first classic, but I actually it was it was one of those tournaments where the fish were biting. Gunnersville was 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 going off pretty good that week. And it was just fun to get to experience all that together and know that you only get one first shot and to make the most of it. I, I'm pretty pretty happy with the way things turned out. And and man, I've said this ever since that tournament every angler that fishes for the for bass 
whether they do it for fun or want to make a living doing it or doing it for a living, that Bassmaster Classic stage is where you want to be standing, no doubt about it. And everybody should get that opportunity. Absolutely, man. Well, amen to that. I, I, I'm, uh, I know that was a thrill for you and not only for you, but for your family to, to be able to be a part of that and see it. And I know that was a special moment for them as well. Well, let's, let's hit on the classic, man, in Gunnersville. So when you, when you show up and roll in with that big rig to, uh, and drop it in the water, what going into it, what's your thought process? And talk to us about what your strategy was going in and then maybe how that may have changed through the week. Well, it was no, no surprise to me to going into that tournament, understand that a bridge could play a big part in that tournament. And I practiced some on the bridges, but I really wanted to stay, not necessarily stay away from pressured waters, but stay away from a place that could hit or miss. You could catch them or you could absolutely fall on your face. I wanted to go into it with areas that I knew I could catch some fish. And I tell you, I, I got on the whole grass bite in practice. It wasn't great, but you could – and it wasn't like there was concentrations of fish, but you could get bites in those grass beds, patches, whatever you want to call it, consistently enough to make me feel like if I just stuck with that all week, I could have a really strong chance at having a, you know, it, you never know if you're going to have a chance to win, but you just want to have an opportunity to be there on the final day with a chance to win. And, you know, it was crazy because we had some pretty cold weather leading up to it, but the day before the tournament started on our official day of practice, the fish kind of, the water warmed up a little bit and there was a lot of fish moving in the backs of the creeks and actually feeding on shad like schooling. And that was kind of a, a little plan B that kind of turned into plan A for starting the first day of the classic. And I actually caught a limit in the first hour that first day. And that really set the tone. I, I caught those fish in the back of a, a well-known creek. They were actually chasing shad, but that first morning of the classic, it got cold again. So those fish kind of backed back off and they were just kind of setting in a little depression in there. And I was catching them on a, a booty off hard knocker and just a shad color, just casting in there and kind of yo-yoing it through those fish. Caught a limit really quick. And that, again, that set the tone. Uh, then I kind of started running the grass beds. I was throwing a new bait that all I had at the time was prototypes. It's called a Norman Speed In, and that bait was absolutely the perfect bait for the way those fish were setting up in that grass. It was kind of a, a tight action. It did have a rattle to it, but it was real subtle. It wasn't real loud and raspy like most rattle baits or crank baits that people throw that time of the year. So I was able to really dissect those grass patches and be able to get bites that I feel like a lot of guys weren't able to get just because I had a bait that they weren't throwing. And a lot of, again, I think they were biting other things, but confidence is a huge part of what we do. And just having the confidence that I could stick with those grass bed areas. And I stayed in areas that were popular. I didn't, I didn't sway and try to try to find something off the wall. I just kind of hunkered down in those areas that I knew had fish from years and years past in history, and uh, it just paid off. I mean, there, was, there wasn't there was much more to it than that, just having confidence to stay with 
what I was doing and understand that it was going to give me a chance at the end. You know, Stetson, that brings up a good point. I imagine that that is a, that's a big deal, putting your mind at ease when you're able, you said you're able to, to, to catch a limit in the first hour. I mean, that, that's got to take a lot of the pressure off and help you relax tremendously. I, I, I'd, I'd love to give us a little insight into the mental aspects of big time bass tournament angling. Like tell us, tell us about the mental and even the physical battles you face that the average non-professional angler might not even be aware of. Sure. Well, it's easy for guys to say, and I hear this all the time, man, you have a dream job and I would love to do that for a living. And that's that there's, there's no truer words that can be spoken, but I will say the average angler has no idea the physical strain that it puts on your body to practice three or four days straight from daylight till dark. You get very little sleep. You start an event at daylight and you go right from practice hard physical right into the tournament days, which is still hard physical, but it, it, it translates into physical and mental once you get into the tournament days because now you have to not only physically withstand that eight, nine hour day, but you have to mentally prepare yourself for the the goods and the bads and the struggles and the triumphs of that day that you don't even know what's coming yet. And, and ta- going back to that first day of the Classic, I was just like every other angler in that tournament, especially the, the first timers, and that first morning takeoff, I was wired up. I was nervous, anxious, <laughs> excited. All those emotions rolled into one. Tired from, from the lack of sleep and just running and going and, and everything that's involved with that week of the Classic that I was just kind of not necessarily running on adrenaline, but I was just so ready to get started that you always want to start off on a good foot per se, and being able to pull in that area, and it wasn't right off the bat, but after, you know, five, ten minutes of fishing around, I kind of figured out where those fish had moved to, and then being able to put a limit in the boat, and not to mention that, it was a limit that weighed like 14 pounds, so just in your mind, you're thinking, I know it's early, I know it's the first day, but I've set the tone in a positive way, and then the mental side of it, basically, washes away and now you just have to do your job and catch every bite you can and make the right decisions throughout that day and that's what people from the outside looking in really don't understand is it's never easy no matter if it's going good I've had some really good tournaments where I've started the day off catching 20 21 pounds in the first 30 minutes and knowing that you're going to be sitting in a good spot at the end of that day but now you've got eight seven and a half hours seven hours your day left to try to figure out things for the next day or how can I take this success and move it into the to the next day to the next day to the final day that's actually standing there holding that trophy and there's so many things mentally and physically that go into it it's really funny to take somebody that thinks they want to do it and take them on like a three-day fun fishing trip where you drag them up early and keep them out late and keep them out there in the middle of the day when it's 90 degrees or it's or it's 40 degrees. It doesn't take but a couple of days to where they're saying, "Man, I'm glad I don't have to do this every day." So there's there's a lot <laughs> more to you. it than what people think. Absolutely, and you know, I, I'm gonna take it back to uh, 
Absolutely, man. Well, well, Stetson, again, buddy, congratulations on your success uh, through your career, uh, through the, the classic on Gunnersville. We're, we're glad you got to come to Alabama and, and have some success and enjoy our resources here. And, uh, man, we just wish you the best of luck and stay safe on the road and on the water out there. And, and man, I, I hope you'll jump back on here again sometime. It's been a pleasure having you and getting to talk with you. Hey, absolutely, and hey, we'll be we'll be back down here in a few weeks on Lake Eupaula. So we're uh, we're about to get the season kicked back up, and uh, can't wait to get back down here and uh, see what Alabama has to offer offer me this go around. Hey, you might want to listen to the podcast. We got some guys from Eupaula that call in that that catch fish down there. I mean, they catch them so. Uh, maybe maybe get some get some tips and secrets for that. That's a big body of water and a fun lake to fish. Absolutely, absolutely. I can't wait. Hey guys, thanks again for having me, and I look forward to the next time. Thanks, Stetson. We appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, Stetson. All right, see y'all. That's crazy. Well, guys, we are diving in today with something a little special. Uh, it has become quite popular in the world of fishing. The art of noodling for giant catfish. And uh, you've probably all seen it on TV, but you know our special guests today, Hannah and Jeff Barron, they do it and do it well, and they live and swear by it. And as you'll see, if you go to their Facebook Instagram accounts, you'll see just how impressive uh, they are at chasing these gigantic catfish, not with a rod and reel, not with a hook. But with her bare hands. But with Hannah and her hands. Yes. And that's about it. I would say this is going to be an exciting show, and, and I've been looking forward to getting these guys on. They have become very close friends of mine and my family. So without further ado, for our first segment today, let's bring on the Barons. Jeff and Hannah Barron, welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, guys. Thank you. Good oh, to be yeah. here. Obviously, anybody who's listening knows that over the last, I don't know, decade, noodling has become quite popular. And now we have a father-daughter combo here with us today. Where did this start? Where did it begin with you guys? Because you go on your social media stuff, you obviously have made a big splash in the world of noodling and the world of social media and you've created some great content and a great following but where did it all start with you guys how in the world did you get into this well we started we've been like hunting and fishing and all that for our whole lives especially daddy he's been doing it since he was old enough to walk and tote a gun and all but we didn't start noodling until about what seven eight years ago I cut a bunch of logs. I got a sawmill, and I cut a bunch of logs for the, the local game warden that had just moved from Shelby County down to uh, to here and uh, to Crenshaw, where we're at. He was so uh, he had done it before, and and of course him being game warden, I didn't charge him to cut the lumber. So you know we become friends. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, smart. you got to politic a little bit. You know what That's saying? right. Well, Hannah, Hannah made a video of one. Back in June of 2016, I made a video catching about a 30-pound flathead, and that's when everything really blew up because that video went viral. Got about 25 million views on Facebook, and I didn't share it around or anything. Just people saw it and shared it. After that, that's when people started to, you know, noodle and actually became started becoming big because before that, 
the only way people had heard of it was that show Hillbilly Handfishing and the few people that actually did. But people yeah. didn't really know what noodling was. Well, they would stick. They had the pipe with the hooks. That's the way they were doing it. But you know, it was it was like that. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny. I, I was looking through. I was looking through Instagram actually yesterday and just scrolling through and I was seeing all these people holding these fish that they had noodled. Two years ago, you didn't see that. Three, no, because it wasn't a thing until. It, until you, really, Anna and Jeff, I mean, you guys kind of have made the sport. It was there already. Some people knew about it and some people did it. But I think that, that you guys created the the craze i guess you would say the worst part of all of this is now everybody's noodling and it's hard to find any fish ever thought so it's been a it's been a problem and i've been a uh, competitive fisherman for a decade and a half and there's always the problem of someone fishing your hole but who would ever thought (laughs) would have had that that statement would have ever been made Somebody fished my whole noodling, man. Someone done been here today. That's right. Well, Hannah, tell us about you caught your personal best this year, Blue Cat. And if you guys have not been on Hannah's YouTube page, I would uh, urge you to to go look and, and follow her on, on YouTube as well because the, the video is and as that's right jeff's got one now too so go follow hannah and jeff both on on youtube and, and instagram and facebook but that was a pretty phenomenal video tell us about that fish and and you were you weren't in alabama on that fish correct i was i'm just not gonna say where oh that's right on the what what how much did it weigh 61 pounds my goodness alive how much do you weigh uh 117 holy cow so you're wrestling a fish that is basically half your body weight and probably and bites really hard yeah yeah, they do bite hard so tell us about it tell us about the you know tell us where but the approach what happened did you know it was about to go down help the listeners kind of visualize catching a 60 pound fish with your hands tell tell us the especially story. being a blue cat because last year we caught a 67 pound flathead but she didn't bite nothing like you know the 61 pound blue cat blue cats are just they're they bite harder they're meaner everything yeah they don't bite any harder they just bite yeah they're all harder. super strong when you're fighting them but the, the blue just they're like a pit bull they just yeah bite yeah my arm i had on a wetsuit because it was about 50 three degrees when we got there that morning and just cold it's the only fish we found that day we knew it was going to be a good size blue i didn't know how big blue cat's mouths are smaller too so they'll kind of fool you i went i got bit or i went down probably four times of getting bit before i actually could grab her because every time she bit me she'd swallow me up to my wrist and just shake like a bulldog and beat me up against the darn box and stuff <laughs> and I thought she was about 40 pounds because it's hard to tell. You know, it's dark down there and you can't see nothing. Just trying to base it off the size of her mouth, which, like I said, she was biting me up my wrist. So I just know she's clamping down on me a good bit. And, yeah, she finally bit down one time. And I had her on my thumb for long enough to try to get my left hand around to grab her gill plate and start bringing her out of the hole. I got my arm in her a little ways and she whirled while I was bringing her out of the hole. and 
was upside down. So I wrapped my legs and everything else around her until I could get my arm between her gill and her gill plate and hold on to her bottom jaw. And that it, was it. It was impressive. I mean, when you came up on that video, I mean, you had it bear hugged, your legs wrapped around it. I mean, it oh, was yeah. uh, the fight was on. It was an awesome video. You know, I want to catch a 60, but there's a part of me that, that, I mean, I'm happy with 35, 60. Oh, yeah. People don't understand that haven't done this, the power of a 30-pound fish. People don't understand how easy it would be to get your arm broke doing it. What people don't understand, this is what people don't understand. Tell me, Jeff, talk to me. They they think they're catching 30 and 40-pound, 50-pound fish. I've seen people say, man, I got a 50-pound fish. Man, you got a 20-pound fish. We made that video on it, you remember? Yeah, yeah, because you, yeah, you made fun of me in it, so I remember. I did. I, I put your name in there. You Sorry. called me out on it because I, you, I did. I, I, I was looking at this fish, and I'm like, that fish has got to be 30 pounds. And you're like, no. It's because it takes a lot of fish. It's a lot of meat there to do to make 30, 40-pound fish. It's and it's deceiving. I mean, it was to us, too. We yeah, just I mean, looked we at so that got many. Yeah, we did it, too, when we first started. So, man, it's huge fish. You know, when you weigh it and think, oh, yes. 25 30 pounds and, and uh, um, yeah. it's just hard to and, until you put a set of scales on it when you're now i can look at one and i can get within a pound or two every time blue yeah. or flathead i can i can come really close but you know before you scale it but we still put the scales on every one of them just to know you know just to know for sure because that one she caught last year up in illinois it was 70 something on one scale and God. 60 something on another yeah it was 60 just, it was 61 on one scale i think and 76 on the other yeah so we just split the difference and you know went in the middle with it oh not really knowing exactly what what the fish weighed so it may have been 76 or whatever just, it don't matter it was big it's big it's big well and another and, thing people don't understand is how they gum hard those blue cats bite. It is seriously like sticking your arm in a car door and slamming it. Yeah. And trying yeah, to drag okay. it out. Well guys, don't worry, I am still here, but I it was the power of technology. I've been over here just mesmerized. I'm actually watching <laughs> uh the video of the fish you guys are talking about. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. Again, noodling is something that I've always been infatuated with, but uh, I guess not man enough to actually do because <laughs> I guess thinking and I've done some pretty crazy stuff in my life. I got to figure out how to get past that first bite, right? The first time the fish yeah. snaps down on my hand or my arm. That's what I got to get through in my head. Like uh, I just don't see, even that's have why to you do it. though. That's why. Yeah, you that, do that, it. That's, yeah that's why you do it. I mean, you're going to be chasing that feeling. You'll be chasing that feeling, that adrenaline rush the, 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 from now on. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, you can't get enough of that. That's and that's what, part of the that's, fun for, for me now, for, for you, Jeff, yeah. I know, is, is watching people do it for the first time because, you know, I remember we had old big Jason Fox, a big NFL football player, came down with us, and we're standing there at the edge of the hole, and we done found the fish. We know he's in the box. And you're sitting there coaching him like, all right, Jason, now you're going to get you a big breath. He's like, all right, all right. You're going to go down, stick your arm in the hole, all right, all right. And then the fish is going to bite you. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? And you're trying to process in your mind and you just have to experience it. I agree. That's what I've tried to process in my mind. What do you mean he's going to bite me? 
Like, because I'm a guy who's like, I'm a planner, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a measure twice, cut once kind of guy. You know, when I'm fishing tournaments, I'm, I'm. It's all about preparation and risk versus reward, and you know, what's the odds if I go do this versus that? And so here I am trying to calculate in my head what is the what is the actual return on that bite, you know? And I just that formula, that crazy formula in my head, just had I hadn't got the answer yet. Addiction. That's the answer. Addiction. Uh, you just going to do it, dude. You're going to have to come with us one time, try it, and then you'll see what we're talking about. I used to do promotions on a, a catfish tournament trail. And I actually, I grew up in the Shoals, which is on, you know, Pickwick. And I so happened to work my way back there. And, you know, I grew up fishing below the dam and catching some catfish. But I was doing promotion of catfish tournament. I'll never forget. These dudes, I'm a bass guy. I'm thinking, you know, 20-pound days. Like, yeah, awesome. These dudes are bringing in three, four, five hundred pounds worth of catfish. And that's the first time I was really exposed to these huge 30, 40, 50 pound cat. And these guys, not noodling, they were catching them with hooks, but catching multiple fish a day that were 40, 50 pounds, just, I mean, they look like dinosaurs yeah, when they, they would bring them up to the scales, you know, and weigh, they'd, they would weigh them in these huge, you know, water tanks. It, my mind's like me putting my hand in one of those fish's mouth and, and jerking them out a hole like, like Hannah just did in this video I just watched while you guys are chatting. Pretty impressive. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, a, it's an amazing – and I, I can see it. I can see the addiction there of the, the, re- the wrestling of a – uh, you know, a prehistoric animal, you know, basically is what it is. And so that's pretty amazing guys. And, yeah. but you guys spend a lot of time uh, producing content. And so tell the listeners, you know, how can they, they find you guys enjoy the con the content that you create throughout the year, not only in noodling, but it sounds like, you know, year round with just the love of, of the pursuit of wild animals and, and experiencing uh, God's great creation. And, and, and so tell us, tell, tell our listeners how, how they can follow you guys and how they can check out some of your footage and, and just kind of enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Instagram is Hannah Barron 96 and Jeff Barron 70. YouTube, one of them is Hannah Barron and other is Jeff Barron. Any other channels are fake on YouTube because there's already a few fake YouTube channels and it makes me ill. Um, Facebook, Hannah Barron Outdoors, and Jeff Barron. Same. And you can find us on You Do Outdoors at Hannah Barron 96 and Jeff Barron 70. That's it. And thank you for being on there, guys. And uh, you know you ain't getting no hate on there. Nobody's attacking you on, on that site for sure. And this segment is actually brought to you by You Do Outdoors. So, guys, if you have not been on You Do, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go to the website, www.youdooutdoors.com. Or, even better, you can download it on uh, the App Store, Google Play. It's a free app, and it's social media for us, for people that love the outdoors, for people that support what others are doing in the outdoors. You won't find any hate on there. So, if you haven't been on there yet, download it and go check it out. Hannah and Jeff will be on there, and, uh, and a lot of other great people as well. So we appreciate you guys being on, and, and man, as always, just as a pleasure anytime I'm around y'all. And we'll look forward to seeing you soon, guys. Y'all be safe. Y'all oh, stay yeah. We appreciate it, y'all. Take care, Stephen. Nice meeting you, dude. We're going to get you out there and get you bit, too, now before it's over. I got to, uh, I don't know, um, still dreaming about what it's going it, to happen. Trust me, it's going to happen <laughs> sooner than later. <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed it. We have really appreciated you guys listening to the show these first several weeks, or heck, man, I say several weeks. It's been a whole bunch of them now. We've had some had some really great shows on here. I know me and Stephen look forward to doing this each and every week. The guests we have on here are amazing. We've had some really cool celebrities, and you just heard from a lot of them. But every week, man, we're going to continue to bring you what's going on in our fisheries in this great state of Alabama. Man, it's so diverse and so cool to be a part of. And uh, we just hope you guys will continue to share the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report and tell your friends about it. And, uh, man, we're going to grow. And uh, we hope you grow right along with us and gain knowledge each and every week for us. So that is a wrap. And we will be back next week with a new report. And until then, we out. See ya. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and, and give Norman a call. And also brought to you by Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL.